At Midway USA, we know the AR-15 is one of the most popular rifles in modern American history. Known for its modularity and widespread use, it's often considered essential to any gun collection. The essential things you need to run an AR-15 are usually always in stock during shortages, things like magazines and 5.56 ammo. Whether you're looking to buy a new AR-15 or buy parts for your modern sporting rifle, log on and for just about everything for the outdoors, shop MidwayUSA.com. Knives, machetes, saws, and shears, multi-tools, shovels, swords, axes, spears, hatchets, and tomahawks. If it cuts, snips, slices, or chops, Midway USA has it. Find great gift ideas in our huge selection of pocket knives and other everyday carry folding knives. Make a statement or create a family legacy with one of our top-of-the-line hunting knives. We've got a great selection of manual and electric sharpeners, too. For just about everything for the outdoors, check out MidwayUSA.com. Hey everybody, thanks for tuning into well, what I've been calling the Focus on Wildlife series. Um, as you all know, we've teamed up with Hal for Wildlife Regard and uh, we're sharing their podcast on our platform to help bring awareness to certain initiatives that uh, are going on in North America that affect outdoors men and women. So we got a specific one here today, it's regarding the Canadian gun ban, Bill C-21. We're all aware of what Justin Trudeau's office is trying to do with, uh, with our firearms. It's not good. Um, you're going to hear Mark Hall, host of the Hunter Conservationist podcast, and Charles get into this in depth, so I'm not going to dive into it uh, too quick. I'll just let you guys listen to But I want to say it hasn't been any easier to get involved or to have your voice heard than it is right now. All you have to do is go over to howforwildlife.org, click on that take action, scroll down, click on this, this one initiative, or all of them for that matter, put your name, your email, and hit OK, that's it. I don't want to hear any bitching later on down the road that you didn't know how to get involved or you didn't think your voice is going to be heard. You have a chance to do it. If you do, if we don't take action now, it's going to be gone. So it's that simple. So anyway, I'm not going to sit here and ramble too much because I can get going for hours, but I'm going to get late. Guys, listen to this one. Well, this sucks. Welcome to HowlCast. Before we get into this episode, I want to take a few moments to talk to you. First, I'd like to thank you all for all the support that you've given Howl. And uh, I just want to let you know that Howl only works when you're involved. And the only way we can preserve our way of life is to stay connected to the issues and continue to make our voices heard. Also, I'd like to talk to you quickly about the different ways you could be a part of Howlful Wildlife. At the very least, we hope you will become a PAC member and opt into our emails. This is our free membership program. This helps you stay connected to the issues surrounding hunting, fishing, and wildlife management. Uh, it's super easy. You just, a few clicks, you know, and, uh, and you're in. It's pretty easy. And next would be our paid membership, which is a $30 a year membership. And this gives you access to deeper discounts, more rewards, and special giveaways. Lastly, I want to talk to you about our partnership programs like Go Hunt and now Pope and Young Club. With the Go Hunt program, you can go to their website right now and you can buy their membership for $149 or you could purchase it from Howl and you would get our $30 membership included free and have 
access to additional discounts and benefits to go purchase stuff from the Go Hunt store. So it's kind of a no-brainer. You could spend $149 to purchase it on their website, or you could spend $149 to purchase it on Howl for Wildlife. And when you do so, when you purchase it from Howl, they will give 50% of your membership will be donated to Howl for Wildlife. So it's kind of brainless, like I said. I mentioned Pope and Young. So we have a new program with the Pope and Young Club. So if you ever wanted to become a member of Pope and Young, now is the time to do it. Because you can get both the Pope and Young membership and the Howl for Wildlife membership for the same price that you would normally purchase your Pope and Young membership, which is $45 a year. Again, kind of brainless. Get benefits of both. You're helping out both organizations and you just get way more for your money. One more thing I want to talk to you about. If you use Onyx, I use Onyx. It's an excellent program. Figure out all my waypoints, figure out how I'm going to get into places, how I'm going to make stalks. There's so many different ways you can use Onyx. It's an amazing product. Um, If you already have it or if you never had it before, you can use the promo code HOWL, uh, H-O-W-L, all caps, and you will save 20% off on that membership. Plus, Onyx will donate an additional 20% to Howl for Wildlife. You can't beat that, right? So you're helping yourself, saving some money. You're helping out the organization. It's awesome. All right, that's all I got for you. Let's get into this episode. All right, we're good. Hey, everybody. Uh, this is Charles. I'll be your host today on Howlcast. Today, I have Mark Hall from... I'm going to let him introduce. And then we also have Matt Smythe and he's with Hal. Uh, this is basically a kind of a building an action plan, um, initial conversation. And we're going to be discussing what's going on in Canada today with this bill called C21 that has to do with um, banning guns and, and how that's going to affect hunters and, and all kinds of other stuff. Um, so let's get going. Mark, introduce yourself. Hey, you bet. Thanks for having me on. So I am the host of the Hunter Conservationist podcast, which is a podcast that's dedicated to wildlife science, conservation and responsible hunting in Canada. And I also have another podcast called the Round Canada podcast, which is a roundup type podcast of all things wildlife, wildlife conservation, wildlife science and hunting and fishing, trapping across Canada. So that's my genre. That's my my focus is all Canadian. <clears throat> and of course, the gun legislation strikes at the heart of, you know, quite a number of those user groups that I stay on top of with our podcasts. Awesome. Well, thanks for coming on. And I think I, I mean, we spoke maybe a week ago before Christmas or something about, hey, we need to you know, do something about this. But I think it was just a few hours ago where I was like, Hey, can you, can you do this today? And you said, yeah. And I went back to Matt. He said, yeah. So it worked out. Yeah. We made it happen. Um, so what I want to accomplish today is, um, is just to get as much info on what's going on here to get us started so we can build, build an action. And, and Matt is going to be a large part of that action building, um, you know, writing it up, um, 
contacting you later or contacting other people, whoever, whoever you think should be involved um, to get this action up on our website for whomever to take part. And one thing will be, maybe it'll be for us in the States to take part as well. Um, that's sort of on our end. We can, we can send messages sometimes uh, and uh, where, you know, the, the, the members of parliament um, won't exactly know who, who it's coming from. So I don't know if we're going to set it up that way, if we're just going to set it up only for Canadians, but we'll figure that stuff I, out later. I, I, do think I it's have important been thinking for, about that as yeah. well. And, you know, I'm, I'm open to the idea of having everyone have a voice on mm. what's happening in Canada um, with the gun control legislation, because it has very big implications on U.S. hunters that come to Canada, like Matt and I yeah. were just talking about, he is bear hunting in yep. northern Alberta this year. Um, it could include firearms that um, U.S. hunters have that they would typically bring up here to hunt. Um, if they're fearful, if they're scared, if they don't come here to book business with Canadian outfitters and stuff like it's, or they they do something at the border and it causes problems, like like it's a it, it's more than just a Canadian issue. Um, you know, in, in that respect, it's good to be educated. Your outfitters will, you know, keep you apprised, uh, apprised of, you know, what you are and are not allowed to bring. But I also see the world looking at what our federal government is doing and cheering them on. Yes, look at what Canada is doing. They're banning handguns. They're banning these scary looking flat black colored firearms and like like good on you let's let's follow suit with what canada is doing to tackle crime and so i'm thinking if if the accolades are coming from the global community then let's have yeah. the voice against what's right. happening and the truth of the matter also coming from the global community so um i am totally open to that for the, those very <laughs> reasons yeah well I, I think you answered that perfectly and and that's also how we like to look at how I just literally just got done having this conversation. The meeting before was, you know, why should somebody in Mississippi care about what's going on in, in Washington state? And there's, there's so many reasons for it. We hunt out of state. Um, and for this, we, we hunt across the border. We go to Canada, just like, just like Matt does. Um, wildlife for one knows no borders. They cross borders. So, you know, that, <laughs> that is pretty simple there. And, the other side, they certainly cross borders. They certainly are fighting in multiple states or countries or whatnot, and it's the same people just moving back and forth. So, so why can't we? Um, but yeah, a lot precedent, of those, precedent yeah. can be set can be set anywhere. And that's yeah. the other thing. You know, precedent doesn't necessarily know borders either. So yeah, and and importantly with this. I have to stop myself saying this is a two-way issue. It's not a two-way issue. Let's just start there. What's what's going on in Canada? And okay. what's, what's the gun situation in Canada? Like it's it's not a right, right? Or what do you just explain it to me? Yeah, what it, so what that, it is. that is an interesting one. So we don't have a constitutional right to own firearms like the the two A in the US. So it is prescribed in legislation federal firearms laws that allow gun ownership in the country so 
there are people out there and advocates of firearm ownership will say that that is a right. The strict legal folks will tell you that that is not a right because it's only in a statute and that can be changed. And the opponents to that basically say, well, then everything that Canadians have is essentially a privilege that the government can take away at any time. A right to go to the grocery store, a right to send your kids to school is not a right. It's a privilege. Uh, it's a privilege to have clean drinking water. It's a privilege to, you know, breathe clean air or travel in your car to visit your family. So so there, there is a lot of... Um, <clears throat> disagreement and debate over this concept of whether it's a right to own a firearm in Canada or if it is strictly a privilege granted by the governments of the day, but it is not constitutionally protected. So it can, uh, firearm ownership can be affected and changed through bills like what we've been seeing the last couple of years, uh, if approved federally. You know, it's funny. It's funny you say that, but the same thing can be done in the United States, unfortunately, as well, I feel. Um, I guess it depends on what state you're in, but I don't think we're too far off, um, unfortunately. But anyway, it doesn't. Yeah, what, you're, what you're saying, I, I can see all those things either <laughs> happening or have happened in the United States. Um, yeah, yeah. In the United States case that I've followed, it it's kind of coming down to whether the Supreme Court's um, uphold interpretations yeah. of the constitution. And we've seen this change throughout time. Courts and uh, Supreme court judges are coming up with different interpretation of things and making Supreme court decisions. We saw the big, um, thing on abortion, you know, earlier in the state. So it's like, yeah, um, some pretty big changes could happen in how your courts, um, interpret those constitutional rights yeah. right so but now, we don't in, quite have that doorstop here so in canada <laughs> are your gun laws different by province or is it so nationwide you know yeah so we have the federal firearms act um which lays out like national gun control requirements for ownership and storage and those sorts of things. The provinces will have, um, do have provincial firearm regulations that can either um, add on to some of the federal requirements um, or they can have specific requirements when it comes to what's allowed for hunting. Um, those can can change. So for example, if you're hunting a bison in British Columbia under a permit in the north, uh, our provincial regulations specify um, minimum muzzle energy and bullet weights and that's that's that sort of thing. So for the most part, um, firearm ownership, storage, licensing requirements and where you can and can't have them uh, is federally controlled. Um, the big thing we have in Canada is our firearms are sort of broken into <clears throat> groups. There's um, restricted firearms and then there's non-restricted firearms. So, for example, handguns and certain types of semi-automatics um, were classified as restricted firearms 
doesn't mean they're prohibited. It just means that it's a restricted category. So you need a restricted firearms license. And then those firearms could only be used at licensed gun ranges. So in Canada, <clears throat> uh, handgun is a restricted firearm. It can only be held by used owned by someone who has a restricted license, who has a membership at a licensed gun range. And that's the only place you can take mm. your, your handgun to. Nobody goes mm. out in the bush carrying a handgun. Hunters can't carry them for bear safety. Nothing. No um, handguns, just no handguns. Really? Okay. I didn't no, know that. No free, free movement or carry of handguns. It's basically you have a license for one and your license says you're allowed to take it from your home to the licensed gun range and back. If you're dilly dallying anywhere else with it and you're pulled over, <laughs> it's a federal offense. And there's no hunt. You can't have it on you for nope. hunting at all. Nope. Can't. When did that take place? Oh, that's been in effect for as long as I can remember. I don't know the exact okay. year that it came in, but uh, geez, right from the time I was a little little kid, um, you know, going out with my grandpa and my dad and stuff like that. As far as I know, you weren't allowed to have a handgun out out in the woods no for safety or backup or anything. Yeah, it was just strictly a strictly a sport shooting hmm. weapon. Yeah, is that is that? Is that big in Canada, sports shooting with handguns, since it's so limited? Is Sports shooting is is very big, especially in the West, actually, in British Columbia, where I live, is one of the largest sort of <clears throat> uh, provinces for this recreational sports shooting community. Um, they are uh, quite large uh, in both the numbers of firearm owners, and like I said earlier, a lot of the restricted categories of firearms are the ones that the recreational sports shooters like to use and train with, uh, whether it's just for recreation or for competition shooting, semi-automatics, the handguns, those sorts mm -hmm. of things. So um, it's big. I, I'm not a recreational sports shooter. I'm just uh, you know, just a hunter yeah. and, and trapper, but I completely understand and support and behind the firearms that recreational sports shooters own because at the end of the day it's still a tool that goes bang and sends a projectile down range i really don't care what it looks like or where you get your enjoy enjoyment or utility out of using it a responsible firearm owner is a responsible firearm owner i have no judgment about what you use your firearm for, if it's for shooting at a target or if it's for hunting, doesn't matter, you know, to me as a hunter, one of the reasons that I advocate to hunters for standing up for the rights of the recreational sports shooters and not to turn a blind eye when their firearms are the ones that are being prohibited. And I have seen this, I have hunters say, we don't need those hunt those types of firearms for hunting go ahead they have no place in in hunting and i advocate against that um, for the for for a couple of reasons one is in canada and i don't know if in, in the u.s it's the same way if we get into the pittman roberts act and stuff where money goes to conservation but here in canada when they the last economic study that was done on the value of hunting fishing trapping and sport shooting was based on 2018 dollars 
uh, and I think the report was published in 2021, all of the quote unquote outdoor recreational activities and lifestyle are put together in an economic value generated for them. Recreational sports shooters, anglers, trappers, and hunters are all put together. So that is one is a huge um, plus for the hunting community to have the value of recreational sports shooting to the economy as well. And the provinces included because we're all firearms owners and all firearm owners are being grouped together to say, this is what it's worth. $8.6 billion a year, the economic footprint in Canada. So as soon as you start to break that away and say the only legitimate use of a firearm in Canada is for hunting, then the economic value of hunting shrinks and that's, painting us into a corner it's painting hunters into a corner to go oh look your economic footprint is smaller it's diminishing and, and it's it's breaking us off and it's easier you know to to then start attacking hunting so i'm 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 saying like all firearms owners should be with each other regardless you know of, of how they're how they're used the other aspect of standing up for the firearms that have already been prohibited for recreational sports shooters in this country is sports stores and licensed gun ranges all over this country sell firearms training, provide memberships to licensed facilities and manage those for the recreational sports shooters. Then in turn, under the goodness of their hearts, they use some of their money to support hunting, to donate to conservation projects, to sponsor hunting and hunting programs and, you know, and all sorts of things because they're also part of the clientele, the hunters. So literally recreational sports shooters dollars are being given back to hunters in some way, shape or form through the value of societies and private businesses that also want to support hunting as part of their business um, ethics as well. So it's like we lose if recreational sport shooters weapons are taken away as well. So, so I was going to ask you if you have a Pittman Robertson type funding mechanism there. No, but, we don't. Uh, okay. <clears throat> we don't. And uh, I think it would have, it's a huge oversight and a mistake that Canada made that didn't follow suit back in the fifties, you know, when it was put in place in the U S I think it would have had a huge, huge impact on this current debate about gun control in Canada. If more non firearms owners in this country would see that millions, potentially billions of dollars of money or going into wildlife conservation and habitat conservation because of a excise tax that's coming off of firearms owners. I think that would have helped quell a lot of the debate uh, or, or sway the public support, especially from non firearms owners had that been in place in this country. All right. So let, <clears throat> I want to, let's just back. Let's, I don't know if it's backup or whatever, but, What's going on right now is okay. I just I just sort of wanted to I don't know anything about ship in Canada, so I just wanted to hear some things you said there, which is interesting. Well, the number one thing is is gun owners in Canada are really good people. They're cool. They're fun. Well, 
There you go. Most, most gun owners are. <laughs> um, good but, people. But you have um, a bill in Canada right now. It's called C21. Yeah. So I'll right? back up a little bit to May of what, 2020, which is, what is when. What is C, the, by the way? Is that Canada? Is that what does C stand for? Maybe. No? Yeah. Maybe it's yeah. Actually, that that I don't know. Or it's it's a it's a federal level bill. Yeah. Uh, I know you guys will have them numbered. Yeah. So yeah, back in tw- in the spring of 2020, the federal government um, under a bill that they tabled and approved uh, called Bill C 71 banned uh, 1,500 models of these assault style firearms. Okay. Um, so these were the scary looking firearms that everybody was calling the AR-15. Like those are the guns we want off the street to keep our community safe. Um, didn't matter if it was a 308 and it had a three clip magazine and it still was a manual like um, single shot action or whatever. It's just, it was a scary looking weapon and those were included in the ban. Replicas, um, anything that looked like that type of a platform of a firearm, even if it was a legitimate sport hunting firearm, it was, it was banned based on its look and it included paintball guns and airsoft guns and replica firearms as, as well was part of this assault weapon ban in bill C 71 is where we saw some of the first impacts on traditional hunting firearms in the country. And it came under the provision of muzzle energy the bill passed a provision that any firearm that could generate more than 10,000 joules of muzzle energy was also um, became a prohibited firearm in the country in in May of 2020. And so that included the Weatherby Mark Fives, which we've probably heard about in the news of any of the calibers like the 416 and, and, and higher that generate that type of muzzle energy. The federal government said they have no place in this country. They're too big for hunting. Um, so therefore they're included in, in part of this ban. Um, I also sort of see that as being an anti-African, you know, in the federal like government as well, gun. like rather than jumping on board with the UK of import bans, it was kind of a little, it was an opportunity to come at it from the back door to say Canada does not support the importing of trophies from African hunters if they're Canadian. So let's get their firearms in this 10,000 joule thing, uh, you know, as well. So, yeah, so that started, there were some other deer rifles like the Remington 742 that was included in Bill C-71 and it was called you know an assault assault weapon uh, these sorts of things then in 2021 uh, the government of Canada introduced Bill C-21 which was being labeled as the handgun bill this was a big one that was going to tackle handgun crime in the in the country and in October of this year, provisions of Bill C-21 kicked into effect with what they call the National Handgun Freeze. So after October of 2022, handguns in Canada could not be imported by sporting stores. They could not be sold by sporting stores. They could not be, hmm. ownership could not be transferred. And you, if you have own a fire, a handgun now after October, you could no longer sell or transfer it. So essentially the owner right now can hang on to that firearm when he or she passes away that handgun will have to be relinquished to the federal government so essentially bill c21 is a sunset clause 
which is the elimination of private ownership of handguns permanently in Canada. We just have to wait for the youngest person that more legally bought a handgun the day before the bill came into effect for that person, that individual to pass away 80 or 90 years in the future here. And that's it for handgun ownership in this country. Mm. Then uh, in November of this year, the government introduced an amendment to Bill C-21, which kind of caught everybody by surprise, which was an amendment to the handgun bill, which captured a whole bunch of shotguns and rifles, long rifles, and they are proposed to be become prohibited firearms in the country. And as people started digging, there was 500 and plus firearms, shotguns and rifles that were now included in the handgun bill that they had proposed to ban. And they people started going through it and there was a tremendous number of those were traditional hunting rifles, center fire, as well as traditional um, waterfowl hunting shotguns. The basic premise of them those long guns was they were going after semi-automatics that had detachable magazines with more than that could hold more than five. But there were 22 calibers that were included in it. There were uh, single shot center fires that were included. There were uh, double barreled skeet shotguns. There were antiques, there were mm. cannons, there were all types of firearms that didn't fit this semi-automatic more than five or more in the detachable magazine uh, included in it. Um, and a lot of hunters across the country were standing up and saying, hey, these are firearms that we use for hunting. And that's where the current debate right before Christmas kind of ended is more more and more MPs from all the parties and, um, you know, famous p- hockey players like Carey Price, the goaltender for the Montreal Canadiens came out Saw and that. caught, caught the attention of the prime minister and got our, you know, a, a response and kind of, you know, change of change of face there. Um, so that's currently where the debate is at is there are, quite a number of additional long guns that are on the table being proposed to become prohibited firearms if the amendment to bill c21 passes so that's kind of where we want to come in with some advocacy is get people um advocating against that amendment to bill c21 i'd like to actually see you know people go back and revisit some of the firearms in bill c71 especially the ones i was talking about earlier that were straight out right recreational sport shooting firearms it's uh i I read it it says bans bans any rifle or shotgun that could that could accept a magazine with more than five rounds whether or not it actually has such a magazine um yes and you know we're gonna affect hunting and, and outfitters and and all of that and i I think what you were just saying, who cares what gun it is? It's, it's insane. They took off paintball guns and replicas and things like that before in a bill. And they took off, I think firearms that you should be able to own anyway. So I, me personally, I don't want to say like, I would be happy. And I I guess I'll ask you this. I don't think you're saying you'd be happy if, if you just, if they took off, you know, 15 of these guns that people use for hunting, 
you're you're probably not going to be happy unless this whole bill went away you know like you don't want to you probably yeah, don't want to ban really hardly any of these guns if, if any of these guns at all not just the ones that are typically used for hunting exactly like you know like i said earlier i'm not a recreational sports shooter i don't own i don't have restricted firearms that i use you know on a licensed range um so but but what i'm trying not to do myself and i'm advocating for others is don't get hung up on the the uh well whew, this didn't affect my firearms right right yeah because it has affected other firearms owner it's already affected other hunters and to just say well like okay mine's not on the list you know it, it's you, you can't get caught up on it just me and for right. for exactly the reasons i talked about earlier like recreational sports shooters are legitimate firearm owners they're they're worth a lot to the economy people you know love to do this uh one of the national studies that was done uh, a few years ago that showed the motives for people that get into sport shooting, hunting, and trapping, the common thread, the leading reasons were for recreation and to be with friends and family. Whether you're a sport shooter, a trapper, or a hunter, everybody was pursuing these activities with this common motivation and I can't advocate for separating out strictly what could be used for hunting from those people that like to to sport shoot, whether it's a handgun or a restricted, um, you know, type platform firearm or whatever, because that's their enjoyment. And I can't yeah. say that my enjoyment of hunting trumps your enjoyment of going to the range and having a good shoot and forgetting about your job for, you know, for an hour. The entire premise of both of these bills have been tabled by the federal government all around the auspices of dealing with violent crime with the use of firearms. Mm-hmm. So there's a few elements of the federal bills, which I don't think are bad things. People that have mental health issues or are in domestic uh, abuse situations, there are people that probably shouldn't have access to firearms because of, you know, potential for um, violent partner um, crime or self-harm in suicides and stuff. There's some aspects there where I'm like, yeah, that makes sense, you know, of, who is not a good person to have access to a firearm but that's a really small percentage of you know the violent acts that are committed with firearms and these bills are being tabled and supported by the federal government is that's what they're doing they're tackling violent crime the prime minister has basically said that their goal is not to come after hunting firearms it's to come after firearms that can kill the most amount of people in the fastest possible time that's what they're after but they're going after firearms that law-abiding citizens use in a lawful manner that are very rarely ever used in violent crimes the statistics and the and the opponents to the bills keep coming out and citing 
all of the cases of violent crime with the use of handguns in the country are all illegally smuggled guns into this country. The Nova Scotia mass shooting was illegal guns that got across the border. Last week, we had a very tragic incident of a police officer in Ontario from the Ontario Provincial Police was shot and killed on a routine call in Ontario. And I've heard analysts that have written articles on this. It said, if you took away every Canadian's handgun in the country that they're legally allowed to own right now, that murder would have still happened because the police officer was killed with a gun that was already illegal in this country and illegal to be in possession of. So, so yeah, I am not in support of C-71 or C-21, whether it's for sport shooters, firearms, or hunters or trappers or farmers that have them, because it is not tackling the issue of gun crime. I would also guess, and I do not know, I'm just... I hear a lot of the same arguments, but I bet you have a lot of laws there that aren't enforced. And what I mean by that is let's not enforce these laws. Let's not make criminals pay um, the price or let's lessen um, some of these consequences. And then when that happens, let's just blame guns again and take away a bunch of guns. Like that's going to solve the problem. Um, That's what happens here a lot. And I'm wondering, you know, are, are, do you feel like your laws are enforced the way they should be in um, in Canada when it comes to say violent crime? When it comes to I was I was just reading something where if you point a gun at somebody with an intent of hunt or hurting them with a bullet, um, hitting them with a bullet, that there was some sort of a a, a reduction in sentence. Do, does that ring a bell? I was just reading a yeah. short article. Okay. See that that part of it, like I'm not really familiar, no, that's you fine. know, I enough just, yeah. on on the crime side of gun prevention in the country, you know, law enforcement, um, those sorts of things. Especially, you know, to formulate a, an opinion around those questions that are based yeah. on on what experts have you know published, you know, statistics on gun crime and you know these sorts of things. I just know from you know, trying to stay on top of the issue from analysts that are reporting on this uh, and the MPs that are fighting against these bills is where the thrust of legislation or, or investment in reducing gun crime needs to go into our police forces, into the resources that the border officers have. Um, and, and, you know, I, I would like to believe that all of our law enforcement agencies are enforcing laws for gun ownership in this country. If you're caught with illegal guns, you're charged. Uh, Crown prosecution is going to take that to the limit, you know, that it can. It's the question is, and is, and this is what I'm hearing from others in, in across Canada is the enforcement agencies simply don't have enough resources Mm. to deal with the volume of illegal guns that are coming across Mm. the border or that are in the hands of organized crime gangs and stuff. They just simply can't um, dedicate all the resources to do it and do, do the other policing functions, you know, and whatnot. And, 
the 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 counter arguments of taking like how much the gun buyback is going to cost and stuff and the numbers of police officers that could be hired you know with that it's in the tens of thousands of adding to law enforcement and um, so you know that's a real crux of the debate about whether or not just simply making guns disappear in the country means less crime or more law enforcement and more capturing more of the criminal activity, the criminal possession of firearms and, and the movement of illegal guns in the country. You know, that's the real crux of the debate. Most people are saying when you're coming after all these firearms that law-abiding citizens are using yeah. that aren't involved in these crimes, you're doing nothing if your objective <clears throat> is yeah. making communities safer. Yeah, if, if you are taking, um, making these laws, it's not going to stop whoever is smuggling guns into the country and all that. They're already doing something that's wildly illegal. They can mm -hmm. care less what the laws are, obviously. Um, yeah. It's taking away your ability to protect yourself. Yeah, I don't know okay. too many uh, too many gangs that are having <laughs> having shootouts with elephant guns. Yeah, 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 or or skeet shooting shotguns, or you know, yeah. even you know, like the uh, the SKS, you know, like the the Lee Enfield rifle. Like it, it is a semi-automatic that has a five-round clip. It is a World War standard military issued firearm that after the world wars the federal government had a tremendous amount of these firearms that were released to the public they're non currently non-restricted firearms they're legal for hunting i am to understand that a tremendous amount of indigenous people in the province have those firearms they've probably been passed down since you know from family members since the 40s when you know they were acquired probably relatively cheap if they you know if the government even sold them at all i you know i don't know and they're primary hunting firearms and now right. you know i literally saw an interview last week with the prime minister this, this is basically saying like it's not our intent to go after these hunting firearms but some of them are going to get included because those firearms have the potential to kill the most amount of people in the shortest possible time. So you're just going to have to go buy a new firearm. And it's like, well, for some people in this country, yeah. they've had a gun handed down from their great grandfather to say, oh, now you got to go buy a $2,000 one. Like, it's just not going to happen. That could make the difference of somebody being able to hunt to feed their family or not um that's a that's a pretty big issue in canada for the indigenous community and which is why a number of indigenous leaders in the province and the assembly of first nations have stood up and and denounced bill c21 the the, the recent amendment so okay so it does affect indigenous communities i, I didn't know if it was going to or not okay yep. Absolutely. So, and um, what does this do? So, just real quick, it, this is covering this is covering shotguns that are commonly used for waterfowl hunting. This is this covers twenty um, twos, like the like a ranch gun. Like a yeah, like a, there was a Mossberg. I think it's the Mossberg seven hundred two twenty two caliber called the Plinkster. <laughs> And it's a semi-automatic 22 with a 10-shot clip. 
Yeah. Right. My understanding is because it has a black synthetic stock and there's a little clip that kind of sticks out the bottom and it gives the firearm that AR like the Ruger uh, 1022. Yep. Yeah. And uh, it was classified as a variant of the AR-15. And so it was included <laughs> in this last, last amendment. So that's one of the issues we have with the amendments is, is so there's two things. The definition of a hunting firearm is not defined in federal law. There's nothing to say this is the definition of a hunting firearm. So when you say you're not coming after hunting firearms or hunting firearms won't be prohibited, there is no legal definition of a hunting firearm. There's broad definitions of like non-restricted firearms. The waterfowl uh, firearms cannot hold uh, more than three when you're waterfowl hunting. So the old tube magazines, you got to have a plug in it. You know, that's, right. you know, the, the same thing that, that you guys have as well. So when we say, oh, hunting firearms won't be included in this legally, we don't know what a hunting firearm is in this country. And they're also talking about variants of prohibited firearms, but there's no legal definition of a variant. So, yeah. So if we say the, the federal government says, oh, we're banning this model, model number, and but all these, these 20 guns are variants of that one model, it's like somebody's, well, what's the definition of a variant? And in this case, you know, the Armalite rifle 15, the look of it, that a 22 Plinkster firearm was called a variant of it. That's yeah. how I understand that that particular 22 ended up on the, on the, on the proposed prohibition list is that it was a variant of, mm. of quote unquote, an assault style weapon. And it's like, yeah, who, who comes up with that? How do you, that assault, that? that assault stuff drives me crazy. I mean, I'm mostly bow hunt, but I, I do love hunting with a rifle as well. And I've actually hunted with my AR a lot. Um, I like it, you know, I like hunting with it. Not, not for everything. But, you know, uh, Carlos uh, Hathcock, who's uh, you could consider him a fairly successful sniper in the Vietnam War. Uh, he used the Winchester Model 70, which is a 30-06, which is a hunting rifle. I have the 300 Winchester that my oh. dad bought in 1964 in the Model 70. Yeah. So it's all in how you use it, I guess. What, how, whatever definition you want to come up with, you know, you can call it assault or you can call it hunting. I don't. I don't think it matters. Um, I think that's, that's ridiculous. Um, yeah. What, you know, when it's just hunters concerned about firearms, my thoughts are what hunters should be concerned about is can an individual hunter <clears throat> use that tool to ethically and humanely dispatch an animal? Mm -hmm. If there's a young hunter that's just starting out that can't, you know, shoulder and shoot accurately or feel confident with the old traditional Woodstock firearms, <clears throat> you know, that I grew up as a kid and they end up with a modern sporting firearm on a different platform. And they're like, oh my God, the, the, that person has confidence in that firearm and they can shoot really well with it. They will kill a deer with it. It's at the end of the day, that's what we should be concerned about. Not yeah. what it looks like, not whether it's pink or camel or lime green or what the shape of it is, is does the hunter have confidence in that firearm and can they use it effectively? At the end of the day, the bullet going downrange needs to do its job effectively as possible and let hunters choose 
<laughs> what is this? Let's just focus on on hunting really quick. Um, sure. How does this affect hunters either coming in from out of Canada, um, you know, non-resident in, you know, resident hunters, outfitters? What's the what's the take on that? If this were if this were to pass, um, how does that affect how does that affect everything? How does that affect me coming to Canada? And so what Canada what would end up it? happening is if you booked a hunt, you would come up here. You would have to basically have a conversation with your your outfitter. They're probably going to be producing information for their clients to narrow down the firearms that you are allowed to bring. You still have to like clear them through customs, you know, when you mm -hmm. come up, like all of that normal paperwork stuff that's done ahead of time. It's just that you're going to need to know what you cannot bring for your firearm to Canada so that it doesn't become an issue when you go to clear your firearms um, for your for your trip up here. So there's, there's that part of it, which that's going to be an effort that'll be passed on to outfitters. You know, they're going to have to make sure that they have things interpreted properly, um, which would be scary for them to misinterpret something that's in the law. They're not lawyers, they're, they're hunters and give somebody the wrong advice and say, oh yeah, no, that one I'm pretty sure is not prohibited. You can bring that one up for our you know, our, our uh, moose hunt in Northern BC or whatever, and then find out at the border that it's not, and it gets confiscated and you get turned away and yada, yada. So, so there's that part of it, which I, I always hate when, cause this stuff is hard to read, man. I mean, you read yep. like, mm. is it prohibited or not? Or what the hell does some of this stuff mean? Um, yeah, that would be scary to give that advice. And like, who the heck wants to have to hire lawyers? So, so there's that part of it. The other part of it is going to be just the hassle factor going like, ah, shit, right? Like, I'm just, I'm not willing to take the chance. I don't know. I don't like what they're doing up in Canada. And, you know, the, that goes against my values and telling people what guns they can and can't own. So it's like, screw it. I'm going to go somewhere else and hunt. And that's going to affect Canadian businesses. Just mm -hmm. the image, the reputation, the philosophy of what's happening up here, just the, the screw it, you know? Yeah. But it just, seems I'll, complicated. I'll go to Alaska. I want to deal with it. I'll go somewhere yeah. else. Yep. And, and, and in order to prevent that, that's going to take a tremendous amount of energy and effort on the guide outfitting industry to ensure that, their clientele has confidence in continuing to book and come to Canada and hunt. It's the confidence factor, right? So, so it's almost like the stock market, you yeah. know, your investors are getting all scared and <laughs> yeah. the next morning you're a stockbroker going, what the hell are you doing? They're all taking your money out. And it's like, yeah. well, Elon Musk said something and we're all scared. And it's like, so they're going to have to deal with all that stuff. And, nobody's going to pay them to do that. They're just going to have to do it in order to keep their businesses afloat. So. Right. Yep. No, got it. What's, who is the, uh, the, uh, what is it? MP? Who was the, the lady that spoke? And I think she might've gotten in trouble or something, but that was my first, somebody sent me a video of her. Yeah. Speaking. And, yeah, uh, um, 
it was really good. I mean, what she said, I was like, wow, wow, this is, this is pretty awesome coming out of um, a, a politician in Canada. Uh, what she said originally, I really enjoyed, but I just looked her up again. It looks like she got kicked out or something. Yeah, there was, there was one day in question period. Um, she, she called out the liberal government for basically as, as I interpreted it for lying about what their motives or what they were actually doing with the gun legislation. And she was asked to apologize and she wouldn't cause she's like, I'm right. <laughs> they're lying about what they're doing. And so she was removed from that session of, of the sitting of the, of, of the house and not the allowed house to of their, Yeah. And P Raquel, how do you say her last name? Doncho? Yeah. Dancho? Yeah. That's somebody so, sent me originally her video. Um, and that's, that was my introduction to this to this whole issue was i can't remember who it was but there can you can you guys mm. help us out up north yeah, and, uh, yeah. and i was like what's going on and they sent me that video she, so. she was she she was kind of the first one of the first ones when the amendment to bill c21 came out in november as she started voicing her opposition right away and and getting some some media attention but since then, especially starting around mid-December, almost on a daily basis, MPs were standing up in the House during question period and voicing their opposition against this last amendment to Bill C-21 and C-21 in itself. And it was MPs from all the parties, right? even liberal MPs, especially liberal MPs from rural ridings were standing up telling their own government this did not make sense for their constituents members of the ndp which is supposedly have formed like an alliance with the liberal government uh, um, and of course conservative mps were standing up and it was just you know since since that time since she spoke out against it it's like almost on a daily basis more and more and more mps across the country are publicly speaking out against the because their members, their constituents have been writing them saying, you're impacting us, you're impacting us as sports shooters, as hunters, as trappers, as farmers, and they're doing their job and taking that message back to Ottawa and say, this is what my constituents are telling me, and it's my job to stand up for my constituents. And so liberal MPs that have actually stood up against what the party's trying to do, um, I commend them for doing that because they're doing their job. They're representing their constituents first and party philosophy second. Um, you're answering all those questions, yeah. So <laughs> it, it is liberal MPs also that are standing up against this. A which few is... of them are, yes. Okay, and, yep. and you're also saying that um making your voice heard works <laughs> so absolutely <that's> good. <laughs> absolutely yes that's, yes that's it great. seems to be happening so okay. you know you guys said you had saw this one um robbie covered it in his little talking head last week so um did you do that with me, you no did, no oh, I, did, okay no, I, uh, I I kind of I I wrote him some bullets so that he Got could it. inform himself to but you know his his analysis was his own but so he talked about Carrie Fisher's public or not Carrie Fisher sorry that's from Star Wars Carrie Price goaltender for the Montreal Canadiens yep. well respected 
you know, with fans from all over the country, great with kids, like just an upstanding, you know, professional athlete, really, really model, model athlete, citizen ambassador. And he made a post on his Instagram page from when he was out doing some waterfowl hunting and, you know, basically said like, I'm a hunter. I'm a responsible firearm owner. I'm not a threat to society or my community. I love Canada. I love my family, but I'm not the issue. My firearms are not the issues and I stand behind all hunters in the country. And so he did that because of his, his, you know, position as a, as a, you know, a public figure, of course, the media picked up on it. Then the cancel army came after him, uh, you know, all that, all that sort of stuff unfolded. He stood by his message and he basically caught the attention of the prime minister with all of the publicity that, you know, that one person, that one voice uh, had. And then the prime minister came out and made an announcement that the Liberal government was going to take a step back, review the amendment to C-21 to make sure that it didn't include firearms whose primary purpose was for hunting or if they were legitimate hunting firearms. So there was a little bit of pressure that came from Carey Price and everybody that sort of jumped on board, you know, with his message the prime minister heard it and, and the prime minister responded to that. So that's, that's big. That's, that's, that was a really big thing. There was one part about the prime minister's announcement, however, that did concern me. He, he's heard it. He, he wants to, you know, make it look like the liberal government's not coming after, after hunting firearms, but the language that he used was they was legitimate hunting firearms or firearms that were that were primarily used for hunting. Yeah. And right. what I saw in that narrative was a clear statement that a firearm in this country that is not used for hunting is not a legitimate firearm. So it basically so shooting the shooting sports. Basically shooting sports in that one suffer. statement to me is like, yeah, you you discredited all the firearm owner in the country that recreationally shoot or compete. Uh, in competition sport shooting. So even though the public pressure got the prime minister to respond and maybe look into things, the language still concerns me that they're, Mm. they're, they're trying to separate the sport shooters away from the hunters because sport shooters primarily hold the weapons that they want to go after, which are the scary looking assault weapons, handguns and ones with larger magazines. So. So it's yeah, almost so, like a divide, divide and conquer. They get get us to turn against each other, and mm-hmm. or to say, you know, like you had mentioned earlier, you know, they're not going after mine, so that's good. Yeah, you know, that's not the case. I found it interesting. I did just see that post. Number one, if um, hockey, you guys like hockey in Canada, right? Yeah, <laughs> yeah it's it's kind of a big thing. However. Yeah. I did a read a statistic <laughs> somewhere. I'd have to go back and find the source. There are more people in Canada that hunt than play hockey. Ooh. Yeah. That's interesting, actually. Then play hockey. Well, yeah. Hmm. I wonder what those numbers. I grew up just south of Detroit and Detroit Red Wings. Yep. Freaking, I just, I understand the, uh, 
the insanity of hockey, but yeah. Um, well, another, another small little known fact is that hockey isn't even the national sport for Canada. It's lacrosse, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. Yep. Yep. It's lacrosse. Really? Oh yeah. yeah that's yeah. the national. Oh, wow. They need to change it. I was going to say curling. <laughs> I didn't know. I was thinking you were going to say curling. Um, well, you know, one thing that stuck out to me with that post and waterfowlers are such a huge. So in the hunting community, you have people who are big game hunters and whatever else. And then you have duck hunters, waterfowlers. Um, you even have apparently um, and, and Robbie brought this up. I just, I just heard, but I was actually watching the hop, the Howard Stern interview where he had um, Quentin Tarantino on there mm, and yeah. Quentin Tarantino was talking about how I think him and Steven Spielberg or some, some story where they were duck hunting and yep. like, man, it was no big deal. And, and Robbie's been talking about this lately, like, well, it was just no big deal. Just, casual conversation about hunting and no backlash about that. But one thing I do know is that is the section of hunting. That's gotta be the hardest to attack because nobody really looks at ducks and say, and says that they're a sentient being or they're this or they're that no one really cares too much about duck hunting. And plus there's so much money in it. So it's kind of suicide to go after duck hunters. Now, what would be really, really awesome is if duck hunters were always involved in, say, bear hunting issues or, you know, invoicing their support for that. If we could get, say, Ducks Unlimited or the duck organizations to be just as involved in, you know, predator issues and all that, because they have such a huge platform and there's so many members and there's so much money there. But one thing I was just with that post with the, with the, the goalie. Um, what's his name? Carrie. What's his last name? Price. Carrie Price. Um, one thing that stood out is he's holding the, a shotgun and he's out there um, duck hunting and yep. that gets duck hunters fired up. And there's just, you know, you don't touch, you don't touch that. Um, that's, uh, that's one thing I'd love However, to it's on not our helping side a lot duck more. hunters when we see all the social media stuff of holding the big trend of sticking the dead duck in your mouth or the bill in the end of your shotgun barrel or a cigarette in its mouth. It's like, is that a it, thing? I haven't oh, seen that. It, it really? is oh, actually. Man. Yeah. Get into, in, get into the Instagram duck hunting stuff and there's some pretty disgusting stuff in there. So there isn't fly fishing too. Fly fishing is hard to attack, right? You get into the, you know, the, 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 treble hooks and the spoons and you know and this sort of stuff and the downriggers and stuff in fishing and then you try to go after fly fishermen where it's you know it's a, like a lot different ethos and stuff mm. it's it's kind of like yes they're harder to go after um but in some ways it's like they're mm. shooting themselves in the some foot a some lot folks are not, not helping with with that <laughs> narrative and but you know the the thing about the duck hunting and the you know the shotguns is so yeah, there are shotguns out there <clears throat> with detachable magazines with five, but as long as they've been blocked, pinned, whatever you do, so they can only hold three, it's a legal shotgun for waterfowl hunting. So that's currently where we're at. They've used the detachable magazine thing to create a list of potentially prohibited firearms. 
So now the question comes, who, when, when are they going to figure out or if they already know that there's a tremendous amount of shotguns out there that can hold as many in the tube magazine, but it's simply because we've taken them apart and put a wooden dowel in the magazine so that they are legal waterfowl hunting firearms right right that that they decide to include those or your 30 30 lever action with the tube magazines right That's what i was like, going to ask is it include tubular magazines yeah okay. not right now it doesn't but it's yeah. sort of like this is something you know that i am concerned about is where the philosophy goes and and part of what i've seen in canada is the overarching philosophy is is a simple simple narrative that's being sold to the non-firearm community of the country. The more guns that are prohibited, the less there are to commit violent crime with a handgun. It's that simple. Less guns less equals less violence. That's kind of the overarching narrative. So what do you do? You go after as many makes and models and variants and everything you can. So the pile gets bigger and bigger and bigger of prohibited firearms that's more and more support for the liberal government that's bringing all of this in might not do anything to change violent crime but it's this simple narrative of more guns prohibited equals left crime so on that ideology i i've talked to people about it where can we go with this and it's like yes i would not be surprised to see tubular magazines included in this well you take away guns from law-abiding citizens and crime still goes up and without addressing i think the, the real issues that are going on their their next action will would be well let's outlaw more yep outlaw make, more outlaw make more. The, make you, the pile bigger yeah outlaw more then you have no then you have no firearms and guess what all the people that were smuggling in weapons or doing whatever they still got them and they're the only ones that have them. Yep. And now they yep. don't have to fear anybody else having them to protect themselves. Yeah. You know, um, it obviously goes way past hunting issues, but. Um, <sighs> so, so, so the reason I bring those things up um, there's, there's other things like, you know, the whole concept of these military assault weapon being prohibited was based on the look of the firearm. Yeah. So if all of a sudden people in the federal government or on, on the, uh, you know, the subcommittees decide that a variant of a military assault weapon is any firearm that's borrowed a tactical or military technology for the firearm, regardless of it's legal for hunting becomes a variant and it's prohibited. Let's talk about synthetic stocks that are flat mm-hmm. black colored, right? The, the Mossberg 702 was banned because it was a flat black plastic stock with a 10, 10 shot clip in it, simply based on its color and, it, and its look. So if we start talking about this type of ideology, then it's like all of a sudden a, a you know, your 308 that's got a, a, a synthetic stock on it, mine that's got a wood stock on it. Well, that the wood stock one is still fine. That's a hunting firearm, but the, the flat black one is a tactical military assault weapon or whatever they want to call it. It's a variant. And, and so we start, you know, approaching it that way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Any, any technology that they're using to try to make 
you know, like backcountry rifles, right? They want them as light as possible. You know, ounces matter. And so anytime that they're, you know, you're looking to, to save on weight, there's invariably it's going to look like there's a tactical element to it. Yep. And that leaves it up to interpretation. It's a, it's, it's a wide berth. So. No, absolutely. You get into talking about um, technology in hunting firearms that's borrowed from a military or police tactical um, technology for sharpshooters in enforcement situations or military situations. It's been borrowed and, and created the long range community in sport hunting right yeah so now all of a sudden if we start looking at those weapons and say they are a threat to society because of their ability a thousand yards and 40 power scopes with adjustable turrets and all this sort of stuff and we start to look at those from this lens of well you don't need that to take down a deer right like which was the famous saying of of the prime minister um it's like this could still go way farther in Canada than where we are right now. And so if folks are continuing to not engage in this conversation, to not educate themselves or to simply bury their head in the sand, you know, hoping that their firearm won't, won't be, or, or believing that their firearms not going to, you know, be prohibited in the future. I still think that if there's an aggressive federal agenda to get as many possible models off the streets and out of the hands of citizens, there's still a lot they could do under the guise of this military style assault weapon, the most amount of people in the shortest period of time philosophy that's going after tubular Mm -hmm. shotguns that are older than I am. (laughs) so i'm like don't not get engaged in this debate because i don't think we're seeing the end of it yet no definitely not um well what we'd like to do is create an action for people to get involved in here um and um sort of an overview of of what it is what it means what the consequences of it if it does pass um, would be, and then an option for people to, to make their voice heard to, uh, to who, to all, basically all the MPs, to the prime minister, who, who's all involved here and who should we be sending? I, I think it, you know, we should get people writing to all the MPs across the country. I mean, I always advocate that people, you know, work with and let their MP for their, you know, riding that's representing them know your thoughts and positions on this. Cause that's their job to take that, that message uh, to Ottawa. But I think the larger campaign should be Canadians messaging their MPs and all MPs across the country, stating their position and thoughts on C21 on legitimate firearm use and ownership in the country. I think we have an opportunity for people from outside of Canada to write in and say they're concerned about their future opportunities to come and partake in hunting activities, guided hunting activities in the country. Um, There's provinces and, and communities in this country that that is a huge 
you know, um, economic engine, mm-hmm. you know, you know, for, for them. And so I think that message as well will be important for MPs to hear because uh, it's striking at the heart of the economy to hear from people outside right. the country to say, you know, this could be a deciding factor, whether Matt comes back to Alberta next year to, <laughs> you know, to try to get a big black bear. So, right. They're there. They need to hear that. They need to hear that from people that are outside of this country as well. Mm-hmm. I like it. I think it, it seems, it seems like a, it seems like a, a, a smart move to write to everybody to really engage everybody, every MP, because then at least your message is consistent across the board and whether, you know, they're already in favor of it or they're already against it, you know, um, it's, it's consistent, you know, and everybody, they, they see, they also see support or, um, or no support. It's nationwide. So. Yep. Absolutely. Absolutely. Is there anything we, um, we didn't cover or, or Mark, do you want to give like a, a final summary over C21 and why you should be concerned? Or anything else? You got anything else, Matt? Also, questions you need? I mean, Matt will follow up with you or whoever we need to 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 get this thing completed or whatever. But um, again, this is like the initial conversation. But no, I think one of my main messages is don't like get engaged. Get engaged in the conversation. Educate yourself on what is happening with the amendments. Um, and by all means, look, look at opponents and proponents of the bills, because there are things to do with violent crime, you know, in this country that if there's something legitimate, then all citizens should support that. So, so, so educate yourself first, you know, first and foremost, um, that's where your opinions on what's happening should be formulated they should be informed you know opinions and there is rhetoric out there there's rhetoric on on all sides and you know and and you got to see through that a a little bit but to you know look look into the core of of what's happening and does it make sense to you you know is this addressing crime in in the country and i and the other part of that message is 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 do that um but don't just look at it from yourself. Mm-hmm. Think about your neighbors. Think about other people that are in hunting. Like I said, you, hunters can't just go like, oh, phew, my gun's not on the list. Because there are hunters have, who have already lost their firearms. Do right, you yeah. want them to support and be a voice when yours shows up on a list? So, so, so think of others. Support people in the recreational sport shooting sector stand up for them too. be a voice for them because you want them to be a voice you know for hunting and and the reason that i believe we should all be standing up for everybody that owns a firearm is because the boundaries between who owns a firearm for what reason in this country is not clearly segmented you know there's a farmer 
who might need one for livestock protection, but when everything's running fine on the farm, he grabs another firearm and goes out and tries to get a deer or a black bear in the springtime. And there's a hunter that likes to go out and hunt deer and elk and moose, but he also likes to go to the range and target shoot and, and become a more proficient shooter. And he might do that with a, or she might do that with a restricted firearm. Um, and a hunter might be a part-time trapper. And, you know, like it, it's just, it, we're not clearly in these silos trying to defend everybody in the silo. This whole community is, is a mishmash of people doing little bits and pieces of all of these activities. And so we're, we're, if we're standing up for one, we're standing up for all firearm mm. owners in the country because a lot of people are across all of the silos. So yeah. don't think so about yourself come yeah about everybody in the community that's one thing with hunters we're we're sort of more of an individualist uh type attitude and uh the whole unity community thing is is much harder to do um you might find it we're like oh we're we're bow hunters and but then if it comes if somebody with a crossbow steps in they're like oh that's not that's not real hunting or something we have that we have that issue all the time where we just there's so much infighting that drives me yep absolutely crazy and it definitely should not be public you know it's just it doesn't do us any good they you know they can be public if they're philosophical conversations and it's yeah. great you know yeah if it's there's is a it, discourse is a trail camera but... that sends a remote image to you at two in the morning is that fair chase or not it's like hey let's it, let's have a conversation we're not hurting anybody yeah. um but we don't need to like fragment ourselves over it or yeah. if a person can shoot better or choose to use a firearm that's legal to hunt deer with that is not in lines with what you want your firearms to look like then great you can have a conversation about how does that look to the non-hunting public when your firearm looks like that have the conversation like it's great it's 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 mental stimulation we can have Mm -hmm. it and and part ways but at the end of the day i still want everybody in this country especially hunters to freely be able to choose how they partake in this thing that we all love and do it differently and use different tools and it's like at the end of the day we're all out there trying to get what we want personally out of this and for some people that's the choice of their firearm and i will stand up for your right to choose a firearm that works for you yeah is it too much to say to treat this as a right and not as a privilege you know, I I did a little talking head thing a couple of years ago and probably was on gun control stuff and kind of said like, a, you know, about it being a right or whatever. And a lawyer actually wrote me and said, I'm a hunter. I get what you're saying. But technically, from a legal perspective, it's yeah. not a right. It's a privilege, you know, and, and and what I was sort of saying is if the law says I can own it and the law says I can use it and I'm doing and using it and possessing it within the bounds of the law, it's my right to, 
to do that. And um, it was kind of like, no, you know, it, it's a privilege. And this is where I said at the beginning, it comes back to that debate. Well, it's sort of like, well, then owning a car is a privilege. Clean water is a privilege. Getting all the food you need at the grocery store is a privilege. Um, so that's not the state we live in. So, yeah. you know, <clears throat> uh, I would yeah. say approach it from the perspective that it's currently in the law now which is not the reason that we have violent crime with handguns or firearms in the country is because of the current laws of what is a legal restricted or non-restricted firearm. So think of that as your right. It's currently enshrined in legislation. So it's like, protect that, stand up for that. Mm -hmm. Awesome. We're going to get on it. Um, That's all I got. We'll be in contact. Um, Awesome guys. Thank you so much for doing this last minute. Yeah. Thank you for your time. Well, hopefully it's uh, hopefully it's been educational for folks. If you're trying to, you know, you like you guys have gleaned things and trying to understand things a little bit better. I'm not a firearms expert. I'm not a legal person. I'm not a scientist in criminology or whatever. (laughs) Um, But I am trying to learn and distill these things and, and weigh things out and communicate it back to folks um, simply enough so that, you know, people can get the gist of what's happening enough to be able to, to, to take action, which I think Mm -hmm. is, is what we do on every issue. So. Well, we're going to try and get them to take action. All right. You guys have a great um, rest of your day and I will talk to you soon. All right. Thanks. Hey guys, I want to thank you again for tuning into the Focus Hunting Podcast. It's coming at you as part of the Waypoint Outdoor Collective. Quick shout out to the sponsors of this show, Vortex Optics, the best in optics, period. AKU Boots, yoke to your feet. Now, if you guys go check out the uh, show notes, um, you're going to find some promo codes. Use them, save a bunch. And uh, if you guys could please leave us a rating and review, we really appreciate that. And uh, until next time, love you guys. I'm Will Cooper, and you're listening to HuntStand's Make Your Mark podcast on the Waypoint Podcast Network. Stick around as I bring you more stories and interviews from veteran hunters and industry professionals who inspire us all to be better equipped in the woods and in life. One of the most legendary shows in the outdoors is on Waypoint TV. Don't miss Primo's Truth About Hunting, Wednesday nights at 7 p.m. Eastern on Waypoint TV, the destination for outdoor entertainment.